0: he turns he fires for the win he's got the bucket at the buzzer
1: We're back to bibby has the open shot and yes! ladies and gentlemen up on those feet put those hands together and we'll meet tonight starting five for your...
0: Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me, Sean Cunningham from ABC10. What's going on, Sean?
1: We got new digs. We got new digs. Evidently a lot is going on, James. Look at all this. Look, I got like a little nameplate here. Look at you got over there. I mean, geez, this is incredible. I don't know which way to point. I feel like a weatherman all of a sudden, like you don't know where to where the high pressure is coming in from the Pacific. <laughs> Somewhere um, over in this region.
0: <laughs> here in this region over here. See if we can't I can't reach across and hit Sean. Um, did. <laughs> big shout out to uh Brendan nunez from the King's Pulse, uh King's Pulse podcast, who uh created this cool overlay. We're actually using StreamYard today. Hopefully it works out because uh this is our second run. Um we're we're trying to figure things out. Uh it's a new platform for us. And uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing all kinds of cool new stuff that we don't typically have. Uh, If you're just listening to the pod, uh, either way, we're okay. Uh, Just make sure that wherever you're listening, um, you subscribe and uh, you give us a thumbs up. Um, The big thumbs up. The last couple of YouTube streams have gone extremely well. So we're very excited about the growth of the Kings Beat. Um, And Sean, thanks for taking time out of your day because... Uh, the Kings are, uh, just a dumpster fire. <laughs> yes, they are. Like they, like it's, <laughs> it's like, I should add a, a video clip of a dumpster on fire. Cause that's what we're, we're looking at on the court. Um, but the San Francisco 49ers are not a dumpster fire. And no. that's where you've been the last couple of days is, uh, doing a bunch of Niners coverage, which I love. I mean, that, that was just, that was the greatest week of NFL football that, uh, I think in the
1: history of the NFL. So good, so incredible. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's been well talked about at this point, but for all the incredible finishes, I I still think I'm so much more uh, just unbelievably captivated by the 49ers, how they continue to win, because they're literally inventing ways. It's like a team, total team effort in all five phases of the game. And what we witnessed at Lambeau Field on Saturday Left me speechless. Like, I was I was absolutely dumbfounded. Like, I didn't think they were going to beat Dallas. I really didn't. But I, I could see the pathway there. They had no business winning this game, James, at Lambeau Field. I mean, the conditions the way they are. I know Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 going into that game in the postseason against the Niners. But, uh, like... The I I just they went in there the way the defense was the way Debo said, I mean they couldn't really do anything offensively and then the special teams which has been so trash comes through with not one block but two blocks and then you get a touchdown out of it and it's like what are we doing how is this happening and and they they're resilient I mean they they rise above all these injuries you got Debo hobbling off the field but after the game he's celebrating like he just won the championship I mean. And now you go up against the team in the Rams, and I'll, I'm going to be fortunate enough to be down there to cover it. But yeah, you, it's just unbelievable. You've had ownage on them, and it's just really, really incredible to see.
0: Well, and I think that's a big thing. Uh, make sure that you guys are are tuning into ABC 10. Sean's doing incredible work over there, um, and and we'll get back to this later in the day with the business of basketball. But uh, you've got to go to amazing things throughout your career, and um, and it's just. For me, watching as a Niners fan, um, it, it's been it's been a wild ride to to win in the snow like that. And you know what, Sean? I, I said, you know, I I think I've said this before, but like my son and I, we we play fantasy football together now, mm-hmm. and we're team rolling with Mahomes uh, like because we've had uh, Patrick Mahomes for uh, a couple of seasons. I think f- four years um since he became a starter like we've had him as our fantasy quarterback um and so we get decked out in our Mahomes jerseys and we sit here and watch we're still 49er fans but you you got to pull for your guy every single moment of this weekend was just it, it didn't even matter what team you were pulling for it was just nuts it was so much fun to watch and you know the the back and forth in that final game it really felt like the 4th of July. It was just like a grand finale of grand finales, teeing off one of the greatest weekends that, again, I think we've ever seen in pro sports. Just one thing after another after another. And, uh, yeah, I, Sean, I think this is – it's setting up for a really, really good AFC championship, NFC championship. And, uh, and again, I hope people tune in to watch what you got going over on it at ABC10.
1: No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun and uh and who knows? It's it's a unusual circumstance because I don't want to get too far ahead, but I mean if if they advance to the Super Bowl, you've got two straight games in SoFi Stadium in LA. I mean, that's it's it's just it's it's really incredible. Like it's not like they've got to go to Miami like back in 2020. So it's uh yeah, it's going to be pretty fun, and, and the only thing that could make this time worse is if the Kings like pulled off a, an unbelievable trade or something that, that could just totally disrupt the coverage, and uh, uh, I, I shouldn't jinx it, but I'm almost expecting something like that to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I would expect it to them to totally try to, well, actually it would be classic Kings to wait until the start of the game and then dump like one of their better players for in a deal that everyone was just angry and bitter over. And so <laughs> yeah. you would have like this, this crazy dynamic on, on social media where people are trashing the Kings while cheering on the 49ers at the same time. I, I could see that happening, Sean. I, yeah. you know, I wouldn't put anything past him. Uh, okay. So some big shout outs again. Um, huge. Thank you to Brendan Nunes. Uh, like we dig the new layout. It, and again, if you're not watching on YouTube, it just got fancy. Uh, it that's did. all. Yeah. It, so we went all full fancy um also a uh, big shout out to jim over at uh at brick house industries uh for my king's beat gear and sean's got his on it, it's on the, its way sean i'm gonna make sure that gets you quick um i know it's already been produced and we we should have a merch shop here anytime uh, wow. make, we got merch yeah we got merch <laughs> uh make sure that you subscribe to the king's beat uh give us a a, a premium subscription if you can because uh, we're about to go into another happy hour here in the next coming weeks. And you don't want to miss that. Uh, it should be a, a whole lot of fun. Uh, we'll have another guest. We'll, we'll do some crazy stuff. We might push it back until after the trade deadline. Just because I think we're all expecting this to be crazy and chaotic. And the last thing we want to do is try to plan an event um, while play, You know, not being able to plan an event, basically. Uh, but outside of that, um, Sean, we've got... Uh, some crazy stuff going on with the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, I, I wrote about this on Sunday and it's probably uh time that we, we just start the show with Tuesday over reactions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sprung that on you. See that Sean? He did. I, I he sprung did. it on you because I, I knew that ready. you weren't going to be ready at all. No,
1: I'm not ready for anything right now. I'm still just too taking it all in. I'm looking at all our fancy little logos and, decorations and i feel like yeah. the kid who just saw a christmas tree for the first time uh that's amazing or, or i mean that's so pg i could have taken that so many different ways but i went with the christmas tree uh, all right there yeah. there you go we'll just yep. leave it at the christmas that's tree, all Sean. we need the christmas
0: um yeah so tuesday over reactions uh it's it's one of our our new uh sort of branded ideas that we're throwing at you um and i think it it makes sense because i wrote about this on sunday uh the Sacramento Kings, at some point you have to shift gears in in who and what you can be during a season. And typically it's not forty eight games into the season, but sometimes it is. I mean, we've seen this before, this dance, this act. Uh, the Kings are now eighteen and thirty. And at eighteen and thirty, you really shouldn't be trying for the ten seed. You should be trying to fix your roster moving forward. And to me, Sean, that means maybe not getting in the trying to get dragged into the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, which is just the biggest disaster of a shit show that I've ever seen. Pardon my my English Let it fly, buddy. Let it fly. Uh, it is. It is just like the worst of the worst thing that just keeps coming back. And as soon as the news cycle dies down, they dive right back into the news cycle. Oh look, NFL is over. Let's hit this let's hit the ground running on Monday and throw out that uh, Tyrese Halliburton and a pair of first-round picks is what we're looking for now. Um, you know, Sean, uh, at 18 and 30, though, mm-hmm. you're bad. You're bad. This is Very a bad, bad. team. Yeah. And and bad teams with veteran players, this is a time that you start selling. You start selling your veteran players. Is there a moment here where uh, am I overreacting? Should the Kings just be going out and, and looking for... Uh, young players that maybe young players that are injured, maybe young players that um, a team isn't, you know, using or, you know, some first round picks. Is it is it time for the Kings to truly shop their veterans, not for some mystical giant deal that may never materialize, but
1: for future assets? I would say <clears throat> those are actually two different questions the way I look at it because is it an overreaction based off where the record is based off of where you are from a competitive standpoint, like I, I said, th- I said this last week. I said, James, this season be damned. Like it, the season doesn't matter. But I also feel like, and I, I equated it to when they got Ron Artest. Like when Ron Artest came in and they made a push, and it was like you made such a, you know, franchise-altering move that it coincided with success and pushed you into the playoffs. So, two things can be true. I don't think it's to a point where you totally like I don't care about the season but you can make a deal that you're setting up for yourself long term that does impact success this season so that can be true but to your point about getting younger like I I don't think this team is situated to get to get very much younger if that makes sense like for example the I think if you're doing a lot of that, and, and I think you stop short of saying this, like with the picks and, and you know gathering assets and whatever, I, I feel like they're in a, in a sense where they have to avoid doing the hard reset. And you know Moni has gone on public as saying that they don't want to do the hard reset. And the hard reset, I think, can be defined several different ways. And let's just take it on the face where it's the, well, we don't want to get rid of Deere and Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. We would rather not. We would like to see a path forward with those two players. Um, you already have a slew of picks that you, that you have already. You, ha- you own all of your picks. If you're getting more picks, in my opinion, you're doing so with the with hopefully the ability either at the trade deadline, draft, offseason, what have you, to be able to unload some of these picks so that you can acquire a – relevant in their prime budding star maybe already a star maybe whatever but you need to use those assets it's not we're not we don't want to see those assets drafted in Sacramento um and get younger because we just I, I to me I don't think that the, that this fan base and this organization can really stomach it so is it an overreaction I think it could be in the sense of the season because I still think that there's going to be look there a lot of these moves I think are going to be moves that possibly we don't hear about that we don't we're not expecting because really anything can happen between now and the tenth. Um, but I do feel that right now the overreaction is is really going young and punting and trying to gather all these acquisitions without having the ability to move them because I do see a lot of people saying well you know, look at what the Grizzlies did. They should just punt everything and go with what they have with Fox and Halliburton and then just get younger and bite the bullet and go with those two or three years, James.
0: Yeah. I think that there's like, there's a lot of routes you can go right here, but I think waiting and hoping for some miracle to save this season is like fool's gold. Like at at this point to me, uh, like, like yeah, the season be damned. Yeah. You're, you're three games out of the 10 seed and you're three and a half games out of last place. Like, at what point do you just go, man, last place shortest look really, really intriguing to me, you know? And, and that means, like, taking a huge step back, putting veterans on the bench or trading veterans and and just going raw and, and trying to get there, trying to be competitive, but knowing that you're going to lose most of your games, even if that is giving De'Aaron Fox and, and Tyrese Halliburton, like, carte blanche to do whatever they want in the final 30-something games of the season, but surrounding them with... Chimezie Metu, Robert right. Warder, Je- Jemias Ramsey, uh, you know, Lou King, uh, Nemeas Um, I-, I think that there's a way to do this that makes sense for the Kings. Like, again, I'm looking at the Chicago Bulls and saying, man, would Ch- Chicago consider trading, I don't know, uh, Patrick Williams and and uh, Derek Jones Jr., who's expiring for uh, Harrison Barnes?
1: That's a that's a name by the way that keeps coming up, isn't it? Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, yeah. Well he has for
0: a while. So yeah. but would the Kings consider making a move like that? Would Chicago consider making a move like that where you're getting a younger player but a younger player that's hurt, uh, who who's not gonna be impactful for the Bulls this season, but it really does set you up with a versatile player that you can use next season, the season after, who's young, um, who does, you know, play defense and sort of fit what you're trying to do. Uh, so uh, those are the deals that I'm looking at. I, I would, you know, the same thing with Rashawn Holmes, same thing with Buddy Heald. There comes a point where the big deal just doesn't look like it, it it's going to happen, and then maybe it will. But right. I'm not going to sit here and wait around and watch this season completely implode unless it's there's a reason behind it, you know. And, and the reason would be, like, call it a reset. Don't call it a reset. I don't care what you want to call it. But at some point, you got to do something different than what you're doing right now. And, Sean, the biggest thing that I'll point to is last season, this team walked into the year, and they were trash. Like, as far as outside of, like, a six-man rotation, I did not think that they had the talent to compete, right? Mm -hmm. I I think we've talked about that many times. That team was 22 and 26 at the same point. That team was four games better than this team. I mean, that's just shameful that this team is this bad, Sean. Like the losses to Houston and Detroit, those two losses right there are so inexcusable. Uh, But they also, there's a huge difference between being eight games out of the playoff picture. I mean, at eight games under 500 and 12 games under 500, which is the difference in those two. So it's an issue in my book. and, And I would like to see the Kings be, more aggressive and and try to do something different than what I think they're doing right now, which is sort of scurry and, and, and try to make this big deal that makes some sort
1: of magical sense that I don't think we're going to see materialize. Well, and, and to that point, James, I really wonder about Monty McNair. <laughs> because if you get to a point where you're just like, all right, pack it in, implode, sell off. Uh, look, everyone's available. We know that. What if one of those guys getting out of town is Rashawn Holmes and it coincides with first-round pick, nothing too sexy in return. Um, that's a guy that you just re-upped, and that's on Monty's watch. Now, granted, he didn't sign Buddy Heald. He didn't sign Harrison Barnes. So moving those pieces makes sense. But I just wonder if there's going to be the patience. The, the Can they stomach something like that and and look at Monty and say, okay, Monty, like, you haven't really done a whole lot. Um, in terms of rebuilding this team, revamping this team since you've been here. There are circumstances certainly involved there. I don't want to even use the term excuses because I think they're circumstances. But will they afford him the ability to do something like that? And that's a question I don't have an answer to. And if I was to use my gut, I'd almost say no. <laughs> Isn't because... that
0: at like, but what? at what point do you do what's best for you? And what's best for the franchise. That's the hardest thing. Like we're well, talking it, about
1: Yeah, because they're all culpable. Like again, it, this we've talked about yeah. this for several times where it's like it's it's uh Monty McNair in and, and Wes Wilcox are in what we like what I like to refer to if in the retail world is middle management. Because you have people who are still approvers above them. And that's look, it's not unique to Sacramento. But again, if you're really putting pressure on those people to get the job done, right? Okay, that's fine, but the people who have to greenlight deals—that certainly they brought deals to them that were shot down, and vice versa. The kings have shot down plenty of deals because there's so many people that think they're operating out of desperation, and mm-hmm. they'll take a bad deal just to save face, you know. Um, and again, James, if we get to that point, like th- these are weeks that that I would imagine are are entirely stressful for for those two for those two gentlemen and, and everybody that are in the in the front office but particularly them because they're the they, they're kind of the the figureheads for it but um yeah i, I mean you have put all your eggs in really one or two baskets for the most part and i think look i like to say this a lot and it, and it comes off as patting ourselves on the back but if you listen to this podcast regularly um you pick up on some things and and fortunately you know, as I've always said, that the option is to be right. You know, the 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 uh, the, the purpose for what we're doing and reporting and what we say is to be right, not to speculate. You can speculate all you want, but um, we don't like to just throw a bunch of BS out there, right? Yeah. And some of the things that you know, in conversations that we've had and and things of that, like I I said weeks ago that that I don't see Benside I I I think they're going to keep him. I could be wrong, but that's what my gut tells me. And we talked about the James Harden situation weeks ago. We talked about Dame Willard weeks ago. Um, James Harden. I mean, you saw what the piece that Sammy Mick and Sham from the Athletic did is exactly what we were talking about just weeks ago. And seeing it almost come to fruition uh, is is in a way a line in the sand from Philly to say, "Hey guys, we don't have to make a deal. This is this is kind of the ultimate end game here." But we're a very competitive team you see what Daryl Morey said on the radio in Philly about maybe trying to help this push because they are surging right now. So yeah, it's this, it's this odd dynamic but it sends a message to other teams that are saying like, you know, if you think that this is a terrible deal, do you become desperate as more and more as the as the February deadline nears and I think what that those pieces show is that Philly even though they've got the, the this big fish that everyone possibly would want, that certainly doesn't want anything to do with them, that they're showing that they don't have the desperation, that they're not desperate necessarily to move him based off the team's success, and that there is an end game at the end of the season should they want to get that far.
0: Okay, so first of all, I, like when we get done with this, is Daryl Morey going to have a, a friend in the league? Because I, <laughs> at this point... I think so. I don't I, think it's that bad. Do you? I don't... I do. It's business. It's business. I get it. It's business, but he's the one feeding this beast every single day. He is the one who is throwing out these proposed trades that he's thrown at somebody or that that have been discussed. Yeah, we want De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton for Ben Simmons. Yeah, we'll pass. A trade uh, was discussed that included – De'Aaron Fox and and Tyrese Halliburton. That's what's going on here. It's like a never-ending battle, to uh, and, and the Kings are losing the press battle. And you know, which I is,
1: which by the way, I think is fine to be honest. Like again, the way people absorb and digest that information, however mm-hmm. it gets out there, like yeah, there's a squeaky wheel out there. They have to be squeaky. Like he has to be. That's you know, Daryl Morey he's got a championship team with a with a player making a boatload of money that doesn't want anything to do with them yeah i'm okay with that like the kings again the kings don't want to operate out of desperation like yeah if you can land Ben Simmons great but you're not going to like cut yourself off at the feet to do so right like you, so i yeah. think there's I, I don't mind that like you mentioned something i think in the last podcast that resonated with me which was which was talking about how you know, these, the, you can, the, the a difference between saying everyone's available and putting a name out there, right? Yeah. Well, of course, people, you're, but, but you're talking about how the audience and the consumer reacts to that. The yes. NBA does not, like, the, these front offices, they can't, they cannot and should not be impacted by that. Like, they don't operate the same as the way fans and media do in the sense that, the way they consume the information. So just because you say to a league, to GMs that everyone's available, and then you call and say, hey, some of our pieces that might be really available, well, are in reality because they're your most attractive products, right? You're really, you're. Yeah. You, you think of like a grocery store, right? Your top shelf is where your best stuff is and all the crap at the bottom is the stuff no one really wants. That's why it's easiest to reach. So um, like- When you put a name to it, of course that's what that means. But, yes, the consumer who aggregates this stuff or reads all this stuff, they go, oh, Harrison Barnes, oh, Rashawn Holmes, whatever. Yeah, they're still on a really pretty shitty team right now. So, of course, they're going to probably be those assets that leave. So um, the way the consumer digests this information is different. That doesn't mean it's clicking. That doesn't mean, by the way, that Rashawn Holmes is any more – Closer to being traded to Orlando, uh, Brooklyn, or or Boston or Philly, all it means is that there are there's a yard sign on the front yard of the Sacramento Kings, <laughs> and everything can go, but it's not everything must go.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? It's almost like they're having a yard sale, but then. You look in the garage. You know when you go to a yard sale and you're like, well, is that for sale? And they're like, no, no, no. That's just part of the garage. It's like, well, why is it sitting right there?
1: (laughs) You know, there's a joke there, too, because it could be an estate sale. Did someone die? Yes. (laughs) I think that's the way GMs look at Sacramento, is if someone freaking died and everything's just like, come and get it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really do feel like, though,
0: they're in, like, the worst possible position. Like, Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox, they're in the worst possible position. They are literally... Working the phones twenty four seven. I know they are. I know that they've got. Uh, not only are they working the phones, but you know Joe Dumars is working the phones. Everyone there is yeah, Ken Cottonella oh. is working the phones. Everyone is working the phones, trying to make this team better. That doesn't mean that anything is going to work out in the in the end. And if this is the team that goes down, uh, like the final whatever we're at thirty four games remaining at this point. If this is a team that spirals out of control and goes just gets bombarded, I, I expect major changes. And but that's so hard that you're like how how do you walk the tightrope of doing what's best for you as a general manager to keep your job and doing what's best for the franchise long term? And I, I think that there is a moment where You know, maybe you can take Harrison Barnes and attach a first-round pick and go get a better version of Harrison Barnes. Maybe you can do the same thing with Rashawn Holmes or with Buddy Heald. I don't know that that's the case anymore. I think at this point, you need to start looking. You need to broaden your horizons about what you're trying to do here because this core just doesn't work at all. And, you know, it doesn't matter what pieces you put around the outside. Unless you can start getting elite pieces around them, then you know this isn't going to work so you have to start thinking about like how how to manage this situation differently and you know if i'm the kings uh you know I, i'm pretty frustrated with the way that i'm being portrayed in the media uh as a team that a is desperate but also that every single thing is is includes them and it, it just at this point is so they easy want. i it's what well, they want.
1: i guess but is it because- yeah cuz because the all the options that are out there, like be attached to everything. Like I understand the philosophy, but I don't think like it could come across to some people as desperate. Sure, but you're you're desperate to want to improve. I think I think there's that, but I don't think there's a desperation that like, like like yeah, you can be in like it just shows that you're doing your due diligence. Like to, like be involved, you know. does how you're do making you, some of these deals? How do you manage that and? your locker room
0: because it's not like these deals don't involve King's players. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, and a lot of them too, James,
1: like you have to understand too. I mean, I mean, you know this, but for people who are listening, like yeah, so many of this stuff come from agents, Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that is just agencies put out some leaks, some pretty odd information. Um, Yeah. uh, Especially like one way of saying I don't want to I don't want my client to basically demand a trade because that would be awful, but I can leak his name into a a a, a, a trade scenario that can work, um, and that's often why you don't really hear me put a lot about of, and you too for that matter we don't like to put a lot of you know trade scenarios that we've heard. I think trade rumors I know fans love them I think they're just nonsensical. I saw someone the other day put out some send me all these uh trade scenarios that you would do with with different teams. It's like, well, who gives a damn? <laughs> like it's like at the end of the day, it's just like fantasy football, right? You're just kind of like, okay, well like it's in tr- it's interesting. I I guess. I think there's like kind of like a you know that's why they created GM mode on like NBA 2K and, and you know on these video game stuff. Like it like there is a fascination and something that's kind of fun that comes from it. But at the end of the day it doesn't really mean anything unless the job unless the, it actually happens. And that's why it's great to hear that Look, everyone's available. That means you don't just put that in the media. You go to the locker room and you say that, and these players know they suck. This team sucks. They know they're gonna make it. They're they're gonna try everything they can to make it better. Um, What I would hope that they would do is have individual discussions with all of them, uh, and and say you know get get feedback with say try and figure out what's working. Like you have to have those. One on one discussions. A lot has happened this season. Like there's so much. I mean, this isn't necessarily the Malone season where you've had three head coaches, but you've had a lot happen this year. Like it's been a grind, and it does take its toll. And you do have a like, even though you can make the the sarcastic joke that you know this season could be done, and um, you know, the competitive nature of this team hasn't been there for better part of the season. These are still professional athletes, and when you're saying, hey, you're three games from a postseason whatever, I mean, you could be ten games. These athletes will want to go out, and they still feel like they can make up that ground with however much – the reality of it is it's not that likely, especially with a team that's sucked. So um, – you just have to, you have to be really honest with people. These are humans as we've talked about, and you have to be really honest and look them in the eye and say, if I can get better, I'm going to get better and I'm going to handle it the right way. What you don't want is to see a guy get traded, not have any communication from the front office, have that Billy Bean moneyball approach where it's like, thanks for your time, see you later. And you know you hopefully they ha- they handle things in a more human manner.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that that's the case as well. I'm just looking at the schedule. And, and coming up, they uh, on Tuesday evening, Celtics. Uh, Wednesday, we got the Hawks. Uh, later this week, you got the 76ers, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Warriors when you return return home. And this thing started with the Bucks, But the problem that you have is that the Kings went into the road trip uh, with back-to-back losses at home to two of the worst teams in the league. So now we're looking at a three-game losing streak. Uh, this thing could hit 10 real quick. Like, um, you could, or at least it could hit nine really quick. Uh, this team could also win a couple of games, but you know, at the end of the day, winning a couple of games is not enough. Like when you're 12 games under 500, they'll be lucky if they don't return. Well, I mean, over again, over the next six games, they could go 18 games under 500, but there's a good chance that they're at least like, you know, 14, 16. I, I mean, that's that's just disastrous, Sean. There's no <laughs> yeah. recovering from that. And not only that, but like what we talked about, looking at last season's roster, Looking at list, this season's roster. That's not like horrible. It's pathetic. It's pathetic that you're in this situation, that you put yourself in this situation where like if you don't pick up a win against – the Celtics, if you don't wick on the road or, or the Hawks on the road that you're probably going to lose so many games in a row that, uh, you know, that you won't have any fans at all. I I feel, uh, like this is just, it's become such a, a weird season to cover. And, you (laughs) know, and again, I think the distraction of the 49ers, is a good thing for Northern
1: California fans. Yeah, unless uh, you're like a Bengals fan. Oh, well, I guess it would be fine if, but if you're, yeah, if you're a Raiders fan, it probably sucks because you're like, all right, what about my Kings? Oh, they're not there either. Okay. Yeah. Well, big shout out
0: to Ryan Lillis uh, over at the B. I know he's the biggest Buffalo Bills fan ever, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I feel I feel for you, dude. Uh, you get a shout out on the pod because we know you're a Bills fan, and that was hard. Um, okay. By so, the way, Sean,
1: By the way, real quick, I mean this yeah. this road trip, which is interesting because and since we're talking trades and what they have to do. Like I think it's a really interesting trade and something to note. Like, obviously, everyone's on this trip. Like, you've got a lot of ownership on this trip uh, at various portions. You've got um, they you brought know, all four. Hey, everybody guys. and this and look at the opponents. Like, I could see a trade with every single team that they play on this road trip. Like, there's trades to be had, and I guess yep. you can say that really, James, at any portion. But I feel like of all the road trips that they have, oh, Celtics, Hawks, Philly, Knicks, even Milwaukee, who they started off with. Every one of those are like...
0: Even yeah. the Warriors. You don't think the Warriors could use Rashawn Holmes? You don't think they have a right. young player and a and a contract that the Kings could take on and, and figure out a way to get Rashawn Holmes to Golden State? And, I mean, how good would he look there? Like, man, I like the only team that I kind of circle is the Nets. And then I guess it's like, okay, well, why don't you just package everybody up and a bunch of first-round picks and... and uh, go steal James Harden just to be spiteful, A- and then <laughs> lose him and free agency. <laughs>
1: the one that the one He's that I keep kick- <sighs> the one that I keep kicking around is like, why wouldn't they trade Kyrie?
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're the Kings, I I I wouldn't touch him. But if you're Philly, like, I yeah, I don't know. I, I, Kyrie if, and
1: Bead could be pretty pretty freaking good. No, I That'd think you're right. To watch. Yeah. yeah.
0: And here's another thing that I'll bring up when it, with regards to, and I've said this before, but there seems to be some weird, like, just like guarantee that you can trade Ben Simmons for James Harden this summer, or that you can trade uh, Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard this summer, or Bradley Beal. There's like this overconfidence and ego thing that, uh, that once you. Completely destroy a 25 year old's value and then watch him sit out an entire year. And the last time anyone saw him, he had an epic meltdown on the court, which is why your head coach and two leaders on the squad called him out like in person on in post game. Like, how do you expect that he's just still has his value? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we know that he even loves the game of basketball after this is all said and done. How do we know that the that the Players Association isn't gonna fire uh, file a major grievance against the Philadelphia 76ers for their handling of the Ben Simmons situation, who uh, last time I checked went he's out basically on what amounts to in, in the real world as stress leave. Like you get paid for stress leave. He's going to get paid once this thing gets arbitrated, he's going to get paid. This is a mental health issue. A- at least that's what they've put forth uh, from his camp. And then that even adds—you're taking on a 25 going on. He- he'll be 26 by the time this thing's all said and done. Um, he could be 30. <laughs> yeah, he, he could. Well, he could be 28. I know that because he's under contract for another three years. But like they—they've overplayed their hand on like really—it's on a really bad hand. That's what it amounts to. Like they are, they are bluffing beyond bluffing, with like a, a pair of tens, like that. That's what this is at this point. You you don't have anything, like you have nothing, and well, you're and I just, think it, I think yeah.
1: it helps so much that they're you know, so competitive. Like the team is, I, I don't want to say gotten better, but they're certainly trending the right way, right? Like Embiid is, yeah, incredible. Is just unbelievable. He's really curious. well, but he's five, are...
0: five minutes away from being out for ten games.
1: <laughs> I knew you were going to say that.
0: I well, I it mean, it is what ahead. it is. I mean, he does it every year, so I mean, he is incredible. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Did you see someone put out the stats? Like, just how good Embiid has been? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah. Why don't you wait, look at Jokic's stats? For it?
1: Are you just waiting for? Oh no, Jokic. Yeah, Jokic. That's,
0: that's Jokic a... is better in every single statistical category except for right. points per game.
1: But I mean, look at just the the difference from previous seasons with Embiid. Like you, Jokic, Jokic was an MVP last year, so like it, it's yeah, we've seen it. Like we know what we're getting with the Joker. But with Embiid, and even though he's a great talent, but the other thing is, James. I mean, look that that team, which is I, I keep going back to this. Everybody in the in the East right now, one through six, you're talking two and a half games dip- differential from yeah. number one to six, and that's outside of the playing tournament. That's not seven, eight, nine, ten it's just it's really a fascinating fascinating year and shout out the heat because they're sitting atop the heat, the, the eastern conference and quietly they look as, and they're doing it with guys that again i mean gosh that, that organization i think everybody should sign up for a tutorial on how to build a franchise because it's like the heat and the warriors do it two different ways and both of them are equally entertaining
0: yeah. I think the heat and then San Antonio, I mean, San Antonio is like the gold standard and I, I know they've fallen on hard times, but that doesn't mean that they won't make the playoffs again. Um, I mean, they're, they're right there. The Kings are a half game above the Spurs and could easily slip below the Spurs. And, and then you're looking at like, you got to jump over three teams, just to get to the 10th seed. Uh, mm. I mean, if that doesn't tell you how bad your season is gone, I don't know what does. Uh, Sean, let's skip to a different topic. Um, we're having this weird injury with De'Aaron Fox where he just magically couldn't go on Sunday. Um, I I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I, we there was got, a lot of
1: speculation that day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> speculation yeah. was
1: running rampant.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I checked in and, and you know, they, literally they said he, he just got to the, like he tried to warm up and all of a sudden he had something going on with his ankle and he couldn't go. Still questionable going into, uh, into Tuesday night's game. Um, that seems strange to me that – Uh, like something popped up out of nowhere that wasn't on any injury report. Um, Metu is doubtful. Uh, and I think Damian Jones has also got an ankle injury, which I, um, I think I remember seeing him come down funny on someone's foot, uh, and and keep playing through it. Um, but it it brings us to this, this issue that, um, every single time that De'Aaron Fox doesn't play, Tyrese Halliburton puts up 20 and 10. I don't know why we can't get these two like going at the same time, but even if you look at uh, what was it, the game before where the Kings lost, but um, you know, Terrence Davis had 35 and De'Aaron Fox the, had like 29. Yeah, the,
1: the Detroit game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you had those two figure out how to score in the same game. Um, but why can't Fox and Halliburton do that together? Is it because Ty cares too much about, uh, or, or it ha- shows too much like reverence to, uh, to De'Aaron Fox and and Terrence Davis. Just he doesn't care about those things. He's just gonna go score. I mean, is there something that like you think that would impinge on this group to these two players to be like the guys going forward?
1: Yeah, it, it's 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 a fun conversation to have because, like, I I didn't pay it much attention early on. Mm-hmm. Um, until Fox went out with COVID, because obviously you needed to see Halliburton play in a different kind of setup, different, differently than what we've seen him. And, you know, I, I talked about Fox's struggles at nauseam, and I still think the majority of it comes down to if he's standing in a corner, he's the, he's that that's not what you want, you know. Um, so having the ball out of his hands, you know, is a thing we talked about at nauseam. But, you know, I, I, I think there's still an adjustment period, partially because I think really – they need to look at themselves as being a selfish basketball player. Like I, I know when you're the two playmakers on the team, you're trying to get everybody involved. But De'Aaron's talked about it. He said, I'm looked more as a scorer these days, and and he talks in reverence about Halliburton being the best passer he's ever played with, and obviously he's an elite playmaker. So there mm-hmm. is you know there, there's so many things to like, but it Tyrese has to understand that just because you're an elite playmaker doesn't Mean you can't score the ball and shoot the ball, and there there should be a a baseline a a number you have to reach every single game in attempts. And the one thing I'll say is with Fox out, you know, I think we we had a couple episodes ago we talked about who you know who's the player that I forget how we phrased it, but I was I my answer was De'Aaron Fox. I think extended irreplaceable player. yeah, Yeah, and to me it was Fox because usually when he's out, you don't see these games where people score. Um, and there's a lot of scoring that needs to be picked up and this last game against Milwaukee, albeit against a, uh, it, it was actually kind of a fun game to be honest, to see three guys score 20 points and to see Tyrese be one of them all the while being the lead playmaker, um, kind of showed you something. Now it could be just a glimmer. I, I'd like to see, like, for example, if Fox doesn't play against the Celtics, I really want to see what that looks like. Uh, I may not because they could go, <laughs> go get their teeth kicked in, but the, it's not like the Celtics are you know this this world beater. But I I do want to see another game, especially in a in a in a series of games. Maybe it's two out of three, whatever. I want to see if they can duplicate that because it's a game where Harrison Barnes again he's the biggest conundrum there is. This guy has to score. So I, going back to what you asked, I don't know if I'm really there yet as to why they can't have these uh, and again I was the same guy if you rewind several you know decade ago you know there was that speculation why can't Tyreek Evans and Kevin Martin have good games together mm-hmm. and they were in interesting spots in their career Kevin like it's almost comparable to this as obviously Kevin Martin wasn't a playmaker but he was certainly a, a guy who was able to get to the free throw line and score and put up numbers um but what I'm getting at is the fact that both of them if you have Kevin Martin is to De'Aaron Fox in terms of the years of experience and Tyreek Evans is to Halliburton in terms of the new kid on the block. And both of them are ball handlers and playmakers and trying to be this guy who initiates the offense. And obviously Tyreek was more of a scorer, but it is this dynamic where that I didn't, I thought too much was too made about that. Like I didn't think that they were incapable of playing well together and having big games. Like I'll take it a step further, James. We don't often see maybe even the past two seasons, like, how come Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox can't both be like 25 point scorers consistently? Like, right in that, that neighborhood. That does happen on occasion. On mean, occasion. Other,
0: pe- other people do score 20 when Fox scores. You yeah. know, it's just not all the time. And, and I I think the biggest difference between the Kevin Martin, Tyreek Evans situation and the De'Aaron Fox, Ty, Tyre- uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Jesus. There you go. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, yeah. The, the biggest difference is. And the first game back, Fox went to Halliburton in, in shoot-around drills, in, in layup lines, and said... Shoot the ball. Keep keep doing what you were doing. Keep doing it. Do not stop what you're doing. And that lasted for, like, two games, and then Halliburton went right back to who he, who he was before. Mm-hmm. With Kevin Martin, Kevin Martin didn't want to give up who he was on that team. He wanted to be the guy, and the team wanted Tyreek to be the guy and you had this moment of like the personalities clashed. I don't think Fox and Halliburton are ever going to clash. I think that they are friends. I think they spend enough quality time together. I think that there is like, there's a connection between like girlfriends and fiance's type stuff where they hang out as couples. I think we saw that in the off season. Um, You know, I I think that there's enough there uh, where they can coexist together in the right situation. But the teammates around them have to be different because this isn't what's happening right now. It's not working. I need more Terrence Davis's. Or, well, yeah. I might even a- need more Chemezi Metus, who doesn't <laughs> care, except for I need a better version that actually hits the shots. Um, and that's not a dig on, on Chemezi as much as it is like this team, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, they have to understand that. The reason why Chemezi Metu is open to take wide open shots eight times in the first quarter is because the opponent left him open. That's the guy the opponent wants taking the shots. And that's where this team, the IQ of this team, is so frustrating, whether those two are on the court or not. And it's not that you freeze a guy out, um, but I think it's on coaches and it's on players to put guys in different positions to succeed. Like, I I don't want Chemezi Metu out there, uh, you know, at the top of the key in that surrounding area. I want him in the corner. I want Harrison Barnes up there. I want, even if it's Marvin Bagley, I want to see different players shooting those shots. What I don't want is to see you know, a guy, like basically it's the equivalent of Jason Thompson. Jason Thompson always kept saying, like I'm waiting for that moment where I'm shooting 12 shots or more per game. It's like, bro, good luck finding
1: that in Turkey. It's so crazy, James, because you know, you want to see unselfish basketball. You want to see the ball move and just be in this fluidity, right? And fast pace and all that stuff. We get that. But they these players have to have the mindset of, while that is nice, and especially we're talking two playmakers in Fox and Halliburton, while that is nice and that is the end, uh, ultimate goal, when you come to some of those players, Davis, Metu, um, there's probably another guy in there I could, I could throw Damian in. Damian Jones. Right, like... These guys recognize that the ball's moved. It's come to me. I can make a play right now. But they need to understand, no, you want to bring it back around, get it back to Fox, get it back to Halliburton, whatever, get it back to Harrison Barnes or Bagley, these guys that you can rely on. They have to be able to hit that metric of, of these guys are putting up enough shots. These guys are, are, are leading to your most success. These are your higher efficient players. And even Buddy, like, it's crazy to me to see last year. And it really started last year was when I noticed it's like, you can bring in a guy like Terrence Davis and he's like, I'll shoot all day. I'm going to come into this circumstance. I'm going to come into this situation and I'm going to shoot all day. And that's why I asked Luke Walton at the time, how big of a green light does he have? (laughs) You know, and he did it because nobody else would shoot the ball. And it didn't seem like, like I think Luke was bothered, not necessarily bothered by it. I think he, if he had his, you know, his pick of the litter, obviously it wouldn't be what he wanted, but he wanted the other guys to notice like, yeah, you've got a guy off the bench who's ready to go and he's looking for that opportunity and you need to be just as aggressive. You need to meet that same type of mindset. So I think there was a little bit of like trial by fire there to where it's like, if you're seeing Terrence Davis going out there and shooting 17 times a game, like, first of all, what (laughs) on a team like that they had last year. And then you come into this season you would hope to see that that Tyrese Halliburton is looking to have the same type of fire to do that. The Milwaukee game, and I wondered if it was just a you know a game where all of a sudden he's back in his hometown, near his hometown, and and having some of these moments. But it's not like he's a guy that takes people off the dribble. You know what I mean? So he does have to kind of rely on being an open shot. But he does tr- he has tried to get into the paint, and that little sidestep three, James, that's fun to watch. I'd like to see some more of it.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see a lot more of that. And, and to be honest with you, I'd like to see a lot more Terrence Davis. Um, I, I'm of the opinion now that uh, give me as much Terrence Davis as you can handle. Like, there are games where he makes mistakes and, and things like that. But even over his, uh, over, the, I think it's the last four games, he's averaging like 1.2 turnovers per game. Right, Three of them came down. in one game, and they were bad turnovers. They weren't fun to watch. Uh, but the dude's averaging 22 points a game over his last four, shooting 41.9% from three. He's shooting nine threes a game. Right? Like, give me more of that guy, because I think we get into this uh, this sort of idea with him that he's just a he is like a complete mistake player. And the fact is, when he's in rhythm and he's hitting his shots, he's really good. Like and he's only 24 years old and he's a guy that can grow into something more. He's under contract for another year, Um, and to be honest with you, I, I just like the Kings are in this mode where you got to play players so you they can you can show that they have trade value still. They're they're still part of your rotation. I still got to put Buddy Heald out there, but I, what I can't have is Buddy Heald going 0 for 2 one game and 2 of 11 the next game because that doesn't help you either. Like at that point, just sit him. Like that's fine. Uh, Let someone else that gives you a better chance to win the game uh, play. And maybe he doesn't garner the same type of respect from the perimeter. Uh, He will. He will if you give him a good 20-game run where he's either starting or or playing, you know, 28 minutes off the bench. Because he's going to keep shooting and he's going to keep hitting. He's a very good shooter. And, you know, sometimes it's erratic. Sometimes it's crazy. But at the same time, I'm kind of tired of, oh, we got to play this guy. Because that guy might get traded between now and February tenth. It's like,
1: eh. The only thing with Davis, like I he and he's playing. I love these last four games, really. I I truly do. I think these last four games are a nice little glimmer. Um, I'm hope I you know I'd love to see it sustained, but I can't help but remember you know that those eight games stretch from November to December where he was really bad. He did have four games where the scoring was up in that stretch, but you know the The most encouraging sign, whether he's scoring or not, is that the turnovers have to stay down. <laughs> and some of the things he does, is, it can be maddening. But I, I look, I don't fault him for going out there and trying to get his like that. That's a role that he needs to he needs to play. And this is a team, James, that we talked about, like going from that that streak in December, specifically towards the end of December, where the scoring on this team was just gone. Like where where was it? You know, that would have been an an amazing opportunity for him and him being back I think has coincided with some bigger scoring nights I think it's great Um, obviously they're not winning but you know it would be there. there I do see it and I I do see the four games there where I like you know this is something that he needs to build off of in a major way I just don't know that you can rely on him with any sort of consistency but I do but you're right I mean right now he is He's looking like he could be that guy to fill a Buddy Heald role should Buddy Heald be traded.
0: Yeah, I got to be honest. I I can't depend on Buddy Heald to do anything at this point. Right. Well,
1: then there's a whole other. Yeah. Not with this team. Not with this team.
0: Yeah. So, so my point would be that if I can't depend on um, Terrence Davis, like you can't be, you can't make the argument that I can keep depending on Buddy Heald because I can't. So, as a starter this season, in 10 games as a starter, uh, Terrence Davis is averaging 26.7 minutes. 18.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, 1.8 assists. His true shooting is 61.9%. Field goal percentage, 49.3. The more minutes you get him, the better he plays, which is interesting. Uh, I mean, of course, most players, you know, they're like that. Uh, But again, if you look at the three games a season he's played, uh, over 30 minutes a game, he's averaging 24.7, 6.3 rebounds, 3.7 assists. The seven games he's playing over 20 minutes, he's averaging 17.6 points, 5.1 rebounds. Like, the more minutes you give him, the better he is. His three-point shooting has gone up. I, I think early in the season, he just got off to a bad shooting start, which I think everyone— Yeah, he couldn't buy a bucket. He, yeah. he was Everyone lost was confused, too. They were totally confused because he had had a tremendous camp where he was hitting everything. And then they went away from him so quick. They scrapped the idea of the three guard set so quick because they were getting, you know, punched in the face and, and losing the rebound battle every single night. But at this point, like, look, I think all bets are off. Like no one is playing well enough uh, that they deserve any specific type of minutes on this team. Um, And then you have guys, some guys who are stepping up and saying like, you know, maybe, maybe one or two guys are saying like, look, I, I want to play, and I want to win, and that to me is is Terrence, and that's Ty. Um, You know, again, uh, like De'Aaron Fox was out, and you shot 14 times. That's not enough, Ty. You're in front of your, your 500 people there that you brought in from Oshkosh. They came to watch you put up your career night. Go get your career night. It's fine. Everyone's fine. Like, everyone expected the Kings to lose that game. The fact that they only lost by six was, like, really good. Um, but still like that is one of those nights where you're just hoping that he comes out of his shell a little bit more and, and scores a little bit more and and stuff like that. So, um, all right, Sean, I think it's time. Oh, oh, (laughs) it's, it's time to get to the business of basketball. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, we've been thinking about this. Like I mentioned this to Sean, we were texting, was it last night or was it, uh, this morning? Oh, I these these
1: days these days are just they so they do kind of like together. run it
0: together. <laughs> I sent uh like so I, I don't know if everyone watches Ozark. If you don't watch Ozark, you Ooh. should watch Ozark. Ozark's amazing, right?
1: By the way, can we, a little sidetrack there? Yeah. Did you did okay, so the, you know how this this final season is broken up into two parts? Yep. Okay, so have you watched the first seven? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I bench watched them the first day. Yeah. They're gone. No like spoilers that. here. I'm not going to say any spoilers, yeah. but I had heard they all die. <laughs> yeah, oh! <everyone. laughs> uh, I, I I had heard how okay, it's yeah. You know, and I'm always thinking Sopranos when i you know because they broke up that one season into two pieces and it seemed like there was a year and a half in between the two parts. Um, this one was like, oh, maybe they'll be in the summer, maybe in the fall. And I saw Jason Bateman on Kimmel. And he's like, no, it's going to be sooner than you think. Like, it could be in the spring. It could be like literally next month. And I think part of it was because they're worried about uh, leaks with the plot. And yeah, I don't know. Like this, this Netflix thing is kind of is kind of fun and interesting, and kind of hearing him talk about it on some of these shows. Like you mentioned Ozark, man, I'm just right there. And and, and people, it's weird. I know several people who absolutely hate the show, and I don't. I just don't get it. I don't understand why they hate it. I can't. I can't. Understand I am all it in. either. There are some, look, there are some cringy moments and some corniness and some plot lines that you can pick apart. I'm there, especially this season, by the way, but I'm right there. Like it is thoroughly entertaining. I love it.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's intense. Like the whole time (laughs) you're like, oh, I got to watch this. So anyway, there was a, a meme that was put out, uh, on, on social media last night and, uh. So I send it to Sean late at night because I knew Sean would appreciate it greatly. And let let me see if I can actually find it, Sean. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's this. I'm going to show it. You yep. know, it, it says, "Going to tell my kids this is Ruth from Ozark." Yeah, uh, shout out JT. And, and of course, that's Justin Timberlake, um, the top ramen
1: hair. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Julia Garner is fantastic in that show. Oh, and if yeah. and, and if I can give you another a movie that she's in, uh The Assistant from like, I don't know, like a year or two ago, uh is kind of an interesting watch. She's really good in that.
0: I think I've seen it. But like I'd have to I'd have to see the the cover. Like it, it's funny. Like I worked at a video store for a year uh Same. when I was young.
1: We have that in common.
0: Yeah, and so I can tell you like what every movie box looks like that's how my brain works like i can shuffle through them in my head so i have a difficult time when people say hey did you watch this and i go um probably but let me see what like the netflix picture looks like or the amazon prime picture and then it's like oh yeah yeah i watched that um i can't remember names anymore but outside Mm -hmm. of that like the the way the the brain works the index works um, like I just shift through. Okay, Sean, let's get back to Ozark the business, <laughs> the business of basketball. I don't know how it got on oath. It's my bad. It's like oh, because Sean and I were texting back and forth last night. It started with the the JT pick, which uh, is spectacular. Um, and then we went back and forth. Um, Sean and I have uh, both had the opportunity to go cover plenty of things that were not Kings related, and for me. It's mainly um, you know local uh, not local um, Northern California uh, NFL teams, uh, baseball teams, stuff like that uh, golf tournaments, stuff like that uh, but Sean, it brings me to the question in all your years uh, what is the the greatest non-kings assignment that you've ever been on where, you got to go see something and I mean I assume you've seen a couple of Super Bowls which I have not seen Super Bowls but uh, what is the greatest thing that you've got to go cover
1: uh yeah (laughs) and it's so because I have covered a lot of those things and we've talked about it Super Bowl NBA Finals Stanley Cup playoffs finals um, World Series I've done all of those and I did all of those one time in a in a span of two years which was like really incredible to think about like when you think about how the Super Bowl was in San Francisco well Santa Clara but they were calling San Francisco home and then there was you had the Warriors in the finals you had the Sharks in the Stanley Cup finals and you had the Giants in the World Series like all that coincided I was like this is unbelievable and a lot of those you know for me being a lifelong Giants fan I always go back to the Giants World Series but I wanted to take it a different step because I felt particularly cool Covering UFC 207, James, and I was doing this story on a UFC fighter named Cody Garbrandt, who made this. Uh, he you know lives and trains in Sacramento, not from here. He's from Eurekasville, Ohio, and a kid back in his hometown uh, was a cancer survivor, and he made a. He was introduced to him by some friends at this gym and from his hometown, and he said, "He says, look, if you, I'm gonna make a pact with you, and he says, if you." beat cancer and stick around and keep doing your, your treatments and all these things. And you know, if you get in remission, I will let you walk me to the octagon in my, in, in a championship fight. And he would give it, he says, if I ever win a championship, I will give you the belt. And not only did that happen, James, which is, I mean, such a cool sentimental moment. This guy can articulate it so well. He, he's, he written, he wrote a book on it. I've got it sitting up there. It's called the pact. If you want to read it. Um, but, I was there in December 30th of 2016 in, in Las Vegas, and it's a championship fight against Dominic Cruz. Who, if you know anything about the UFC, Dominic Cruz has owned Team Alpha Male. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, like, you know, his battles with, with Uriah Faber, you know, Faber beat him before it went WEC before it became UFC. And, uh, but Dom had had some ownage on Team Alpha Male. And Cody went in there, toyed with Dom, destroyed him, won the belt. The kid had walked him to the octagon and gave him the belt right there and just the access you know having all that stuff it was it was that to me was the best non king story i did because it was like this continuing coverage of this one fighter and all the cool stories that everybody could relate to and then to see it happen on the on a on a pay-per-view card in a huge event like that in Vegas and have access to all those guys that to me was probably the best non kings singular event that I haven't talked about because we've talked so much about Super Bowl, World Series, NBA finals, yeah. you know, the world, all that stuff. And then, if you know, that the, I just thought the, the magnitude of that moment and just sitting back afterwards and going, wow, this is really cool. Because <laughs> I mean, that was, it was just, it was, it was so incredible. It was a storybook. It was like something out of a movie and to see all that kind of culminate and just have the access that we did, because again, it's like, you know, it's special when you have one of those relationships with one of the athletes where you can, you've can you done a story with them. They remember you. You have that relationship. You've culminated that relationship, and you can see it through all the way to the end to its peak. It's like going to the Super Bowl in 2020 in Miami when we've got so many local 49ers with local ties, not only in Eric Armstead but even Akella Witherspoon, and finding that moment that Akella Witherspoon, who was on the 49ers at the time, sharing a same trainer as Jennifer Lopez – and Jennifer Lopez is performing at the halftime event with Shakira, and we get to go watch Akello train, meet his trainer in Miami, who also is working out A-Rod and J Lo right in front of us, and we're the only ones in this building. So we're in this tiny gym, it's Alex Rodriguez, it's Jennifer Lopez, it's Akello Witherspoon, it's well, Akello wasn't there, it was his dad, and then uh Lena, myself, and Dodd Romero, his trainer, and it's like we're in this little studio and there's Probably, you know, 20 paparazzi outside waiting for JLo to go out. Every time I go through the door, it's like, it's not her. (laughs) Like, no shit, it's not her. It's just so. It was, you know, it's one of those incredible moments where you just look around and go, what is this? What are we doing?
0: Okay. So, see, this is why we do the business of basketball. Um, (laughs) Sean has so many stories that, I mean, none of the, like, you would have never thought to tell those stories if it wasn't for that. Um, You know, and, and I'll say, like, when it comes to like my my great stories um i like it's mainly basketball like i have i've got to go cover finals and been in in crazy places um you know i would say this like i walking into a major league baseball uh locker room was like the craziest thing for me cuz i've always been such a huge baseball fan um, and then realizing that every single player is so yoked that you're like, what? Because we're used to like tall stream beans, <laughs> and then there's always like one or two dudes, you know, your Aaron Aflalo's who are like stacked. Yeah, Aaron Aflalo would be like maybe maybe as big as Jed Lowry on the A's. Like everyone else in there, I mean, you're like literally forearms are like this big around. I remember looking at Josh Fegley the a's backup catcher and his legs were like his his calves were like much bigger than my head like his calves were so huge I didn't even know how he moved around it was crazy to <laughs> to look at but uh and covering... baseball's the
1: fun one too because you when you walk in there you do see a lot of that but then you also see like oh there's Bartolo Colon, who how are oh, you yeah. a professional athlete? <laughs> yeah, how are and, you? And prof- it's you know, it's like looks like me over there and I'm just like, "Hey, Mart- hey what's <laughs> up, big sexy? What's, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah.
0: But there's there's not that many of those guys as no. much as there are like these like these dudes that you're uh, just like in like shock that all they do is work out, like literally all day. And we're not used to that with the NBA players. The NBA players work out, but it's totally different. Like if you played football, you know, that the basketball players don't work as hard as the football players. And, uh, you know, usually the baseball players don't work as hard as, as the football players either. Uh, but to see that it was like, huh. Um, and then I'll say this, like walking on the field uh, for a Raiders game. I'm not a Raiders fan at all. Um, but seeing Mark Davis in person is <laughs> an experience. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> the The bowl cut doesn't look any better in person, but the fact that he wears like, like when you were in junior high. Well, if you were in junior high in the eighties, like I was, like some of the cool kids had had white jeans. <laughs> I, <laughs> that dude, I, did, I wore like white I, jeans.
1: He he. No, you don't wear white jeans. I did. I did. <laughs> You wore white jeans. Okay. So, not like all the time, but there was a phase where it was like for a year or two, you had to have them on. You you did like a once a week. Yeah. You
0: thought you were cool. Well, I lived in an area where kids who had white jeans, uh, that lasted all of like two days because (laughs) there's red dirt everywhere and like your white jeans don't stay white. Um, so, so anyway, my, uh, Mark Davis standing there like in pregame, like waiting for the national anthem, wearing his white jeans. It's he, like everything about him says like 1983. It's so great. Yeah, it's so I, great. I, I, he he Especially got locked in. Especially if the in, wind like, catches the bangs, it's uh, oh, it's even better. It's so man, great. I, I don't know. So I will. I'll, I'll end with this as my favorite story um, was going to Toronto for the NBA Finals, and. Um, Toronto, number one, is just an unbelievable city. Um, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, now in California, you can walk the streets and smell pot. Um, <laughs> but in Toronto, it was like socially acceptable long before it was here. Um, sort of like Portland, maybe a little bit. Um, like I walked by a construction site and there is a dude with an orange vest and, a, and like a stop sign, um, like like routing traffic, who is literally smoking out like right there on the job um, it's everywhere but outside of that just like to see the fan base be so excited yeah. um, you know we uh, I was there twice within a week and actually I was supposed to go home to uh, to Golden State and then fly back the next day to go back for a third time. why does it that not make sense? I think yeah uh, like I, I rem- well yes. Anyway, we I stayed my first couple of days. I stayed in like a pretty nice hotel, but it wasn't outstanding, and it was maybe a mile away from the stadium. The second time I went, I was on like the 55th floor with this view of the entire bay, which is unbelievable. Toronto is an incredible. I was so jealous. Yeah, it's such a beautiful city. Looking down, I could see uh, where the the Blue Jays play; their stadiums right there. Um, when they started doing like their um their rallies the night before uh people are marching through the streets you could still hear them 50 something stories up because of the sound going up um what's uh, jimmy uh jimmy goldstein eight world
1: oh no yeah what? jimmy goldstein yeah yeah jimmy goldstein super I, fan. I,
0: I bumped into jimmy goldstein he was lost on the streets i had to walk him like maybe eight blocks to the um to the NBA trailer to try to get his media pass because I think he gets a media or at least he gets a pass to go in early. Um, you know he's the the old my hero. The, you, that yeah, he can be your hero. I can understand that. Um, but it, if you ever see a Lakers game, uh, he's the one wearing the black hat and like the the and he hates the Lakers.
1: <sighs> really? Yeah, that's the fun part. He never he roots against the Lakers all the time. He's a, he's more of a Clipper fan, but he's he's. Just the he's the insane looking guy. Get with the get up with the big hat, old man, uh, very fashionista. Made a lot of money in fashion, real estate, parking lots. Uh, he's still a bit of a mystery. His house was in the Big Lebowski. I mean, it's they use it for Ooh. photo shoots all the time. Yeah, all right. It's it's called the Goldstein Sheets Goldstein Estate. If you want to look that up online, it is unbelievable. And the guy has an incredible story. And I will say this, James, it, 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 he does. For some people, he could probably be a little jarring or a little frightening to see. Um, I've interviewed, have so interviewed him several times. Every time I, I see him, I try to at least say hello. But I will never forget the first time that, and and mind you, he's probably twelve years older now. I think the first time I ever talked to him, but I didn't expect him to sound the way he does, <laughs> and and it's a, it, it caught me a little off guard. And I'm not going to impersonate him. But if you ever just go look up an interview with him or something to see if you can find the way he sounds, because he probably sounds the way he should look, or he probably sounds the way he looks, but for me I didn't expect that noise to come from him and it I, I literally kinda like <laughs> kinda jumped back a bit. I was startled. He's eighty-two, I just looked it up, yeah. and
0: every single time you see him, he's with a, yep. a supermodel with longer legs. Like
1: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. He loves his tennis and he loves his NBA. Yeah. And he loves yeah. his supermodels.
0: His supermodels, yeah, he's he's an interesting cat. Anyway, I ended up walking him like quite a ways, like I I had to like help him out and hung out with him and, and led him to the trailer and then brought him in. I'm like, hey, I've got I've got Jimmy Goldstein. What do you guys want to do? And they're like, yeah. oh, come on in, come on in. Uh, and they took care of him. Um, yeah, just uh, I, I know like being out in front of their arena, uh, there was a father and son that had been there for three days waiting to get in to just to get into jurassic park like the area that surrounds the arena which they let maybe maybe a thousand maybe maybe two thousand people into um and they were having concerts out there and all this crazy stuff but then it's all locked up so fans were watching on these giant screens and then they duplicated that all over the country so they had these scenes in other cities around where people were showing up and and to watch the game um i was in Vancouver one time when I, the Canucks were in the in the Stanley Cup finals I believe and that was pretty crazy. I don't watch mm-hmm. hockey at all. We just happened to be there and we saw this in Canada another time where like like thousands and thousands of people are in like have like basically blocked off city squares and are watching on like these big screens that they put up these big projection screens. But the the Father and Son in Canada Um, the Raptors actually sent someone out at the last second and said, Hey, you guys have been here for three days. We've got, it was those two and the two people that came next. They're like, we got some seats inside for you. And they brought them in. That's so cool. Yeah. And so like these, but we, I had interviewed them a couple of times and you know, you wave to them every time they come through. Um, Jerome Williams, like went and hung out with that crowd for a while. Junkyard dog. Um, yeah. So so that was probably my best it, uh, being, you know, and I was, the Warriors didn't win there. They actually, they lost. I was there when Kevin Durant blew a, uh, blew his Achilles. Um, the fans cheered. That was ugly. Uh, uh, Kyle Lowry got on the mic and yelled at their fans to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but I was in the Lakers and the, I mean, the the Warriors and the Cavs uh, locker rooms during championships uh, where they won. Yeah. I mean,
1: there's, there's so many, there's so many stories like that and it's great. You know, it's, it's great to be able to, you know, I meet so many people, like I'm in a very privileged position because, you know, there's so many different sports that I can, that I can have access to. And I, I get a kick out of people who might be, for example, Sam Amick, you know, he grew up a big Giants fan. He's a Niners fan. I had lunch with him, uh, just yesterday and, uh, hilarious that he how much he was engaged with the 49ers and he's kind of an outsider to it so it's great to see because he's you know covers the nba so hard and so regularly so when he gets a moment to be at an nba game and oh there's you know there's Jimmy Garoppolo at a, at a Warriors game or George Kittle at a Warriors he gets a kind of a kick out of it and it's it's fun to kind of see those moments and and you know i'm i'm sure if he had a, a moment to where he could branch off and go do a Giants game really quickly he would he'd love to do it
0: yeah it's it's weird we uh we have to check our fandom at the door but right. you're still allowed to be fans of right. of other things but everything else you got to kind of put it to the side and so to have those moments where you do get to like enjoy, like I thoroughly enjoyed this weekend of football. Like I, I enjoyed oh. all all four games. I enjoyed all of it. I enjoyed all of uh, the memes aimed at Aaron Rodgers. Um, I they were I enjoyed... harsh,
1: man. Those were pretty harsh. I mean, it was. I get it. I get it. I did find joy out of it, but I was also like, wow. <laughs> maybe maybe just how quickly things have changed when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, they still—he still has a State Farm commercials. I, I don't know how long that lasts, but um, talk about a guy who—who who probably uh, walked away from a career, uh, you know, in broadcasting after this. Um, you know, I guess he could possibly still go do Jeopardy. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff. So, um, all right, Sean, i, I think that that's going to do it for this edition of uh, the Kingsbee Podcast. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I do. How about um, how about a prediction? Because I, I don't usually we don't usually do this. Oh, but like, will the Kings when we when we reconvene on? I think we're going to record Thursday probably. I'm trying to look at the schedule here. Tuesday, yeah, because uh, they're yep, they're off yep. on Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, back to back. Will right? they be zero and three on this road trip? Or do they yes. get one? I think they're going to be zero and three.
0: No, I I think at this point, like, uh, I I think that they're a little bit shot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, which I is think weird
1: because they played pretty decently against Milwaukee. That second quarter was the detriment, but like I, f- I didn't have. I, there wasn't a moment where I thought there was a a quit or a let up. I thought there was guys playing hard, but I still feel like they're going to be 0 by
0: three by Thursday. Well, I, I mean, but with this team, I wouldn't be shocked if they win two. Like I, I'm looking at the Celtics, I'm looking at the Hawks, and I'm thinking neither of those teams are really playing well or really right. that good but are they bad matchups? Probably. Um, but, you know...
1: You, I think Fox probably has to play, though.
0: Yeah? If well, Fox
1: doesn't play, I don't see a win.
0: Well, I, I think Fox played against Houston and played against... And played against Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> that didn't go so well. I'm not convinced that, that any one player or any I one know. situation means that this team will win or lose, but uh, you're up against it at this point. Like, you have to on this trip. You got to find a way to split the next two games, you know, you're going to lose the Sixers, you got to find a way to beat the Knicks somehow. And then, you know, you're gonna lose to the Nets. Uh, When you get back, you know, you're probably gonna lose to the Warriors. Like, that's, that's not good. So we're talking maybe, maybe two and four, it maybe, and I don't even know if we can, we can predict that it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough go. Um, But this is what happens when a team uh, decides to, to mail it in. So I think that that's what we're seeing here with this team, unfortunately. Hmm. um All right, so let's just touch base on a couple of things. Make sure that you are subscribing to the Kings Beat on YouTube. uh Give us a thumbs up. It's a race to a thousand subscriptions. That's what we're trying to get to. Uh, just on, a thousand, just on a G. YouTube, just to just a, a k, yeah, uh, just one k. That's what we're looking for. Uh, that's where we'll start. Uh, number two. Uh, Kings Beat, uh, you know, the the newsletter slash uh, blog slash website slash whatever you want to call it. Uh, make sure you give us a su- subscription there. Um, if you can do a premium subscription, even better. Uh, and that way you'll get invited to the next happy hour. Um, oh,
1: can't wait. Mm,
0: happy hour. <laughs> Big shout out to our friend, uh, Brennan Nunes, for uh, this cool look that we have. Look at this. Yeah, it's, be, it's glorious, Sean. Fancy. It's glorious. Um, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingspeed Podcast. Uh, for ABC10's Sean Cunningham, I'm James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingspeed Podcast. We'll see you Thursday.